Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's a brand new year. And what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a gold t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. And welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Been a pretty quiet week, all told. Not much going on. I guess we'll find something to talk about between now and the end of the show. But, you know, tumbleweeds all over the place this week. I mean, I mean, what the fuck? What the fucking fuckity fucking fuck was that? I mean, there wasn't even time to get annoyed or frustrated properly with a 1-1 draw against Fulham before all this Super League stuff blew up and then it blew up some more and we were all scared and worried and terrified and then it then it collapsed and here we are at the end of the week and we're still trying to come to terms with you know, what's happened and how it's happened and what it's told us and what we've learned from this. And there are things that we have learned that we already knew, but boy, oh boy, have they been absolutely cemented by what has happened this week. We don't quite know what, if any impact it's going to have on the team. You know, for a while, uh, for a couple of days, it was like football was pointless. Well, what's the point of it? What's the point in finishing anywhere in the Premier League? What's the point of the Europa League and trying to win it and gain entry into next season's Champions League if there is no Champions League? 
How do you get yourself up for games that ultimately don't matter? Which, of course, is the uh, the ironic thing is that that's true of the Super League itself. None of the games will matter or would have mattered. And then it all fell apart. And then all of a sudden you're going, well, we've got a game against Everton on Friday. We've got a Europa League semi-final next week against Villarreal. Uh, the players weren't consulted. The manager wasn't consulted. There was no communication from the top to the fans in any significant way. We had that statement that they put out, etc., etc. So it is just, it's just been chaotic. It has been damaging. It's been dreadful. There is a positive in that, you know, it brought everybody, more or less everybody together. You know, I can't say that everybody hated the idea of the Super League, but I think the vast majority of people did. And if there's a positive to be taken from it, it showed that the collective outrage, our anger, uh, mobilization of, of not just Arsenal fans, but football fans in general can have a positive effect. But... I'm not sure how much positivity you can really take from something that is just so inherently fundamentally awful that that Boris Johnson and Amazon were able to score morality points by objecting to this thing. That's how bad it was. So if we as football fans rise up to object and oppose something like this, yes, it's a positive, but it's a bit like a a scenario where there's an announcement and in the neighborhood, they're going to create all these new jobs in a puppy torturing factory. And you go, hang on a second, torturing puppies is bad. And the whole neighborhood rises up to say, no, we don't want this. This is bad and evil. You can't do that. The objection to it is positive, but only because you're trying to go against something that is so so irredeemably bad in its very essence, its core. And of course, there will be that guy who goes, well, you know, you've got to think of the employment in the neighborhood. Perhaps those jobs could be useful for people who are struggling and hard. But you know what I mean. It is. It has been a crazy, crazy week. A little later today, I'm recording on Thursday, a little later today, Josh Kroenke is going to be part of the Fans Forum meeting, which is taking place at around 4.30 this afternoon, uh, my time. And I mention that because I'm recording with my first guest before that. So the discussion that we have, uh, just to frame it properly, is not informed by whatever Josh Kroenke is going to say in this Fans Forum meeting. The questions and interrogation I'm sure he's going to get will be interesting. I think it is interesting in itself that he is going to appear because I did not expect that. I certainly didn't expect Stan, but I didn't expect Josh either. I thought they were going to just sort of sit there and be silent and ride it out. So there is something to be said for the fact that he is going to, um, I was going to say meet fans face to face. It's not face to face. It's Zoom to Zoom, but he will be there. So that's something quite what he says and how he says it. We'll look at. A little later, I am going to talk to somebody who will be present at that meeting later on. So we'll get his thoughts on what was said and we get some detail on what was said uh, a bit later on in the show. So let's get on with the first part of it and to talk about this, uh, you know, in, in broad terms about what's happened this week and everything else. I'm delighted to welcome from Goal. It is Charles Watts. Hi, Charles. Hi, Andrew, mate. How you getting on? I'm all right. I'm all right. It's been a hell of a week for all of us who are watching on, who are writing about it, thinking about it, talking about it. Um, have you experienced anything like this before in terms of, you know, stuff happens in football and stuff happens at football clubs, but have you ever experienced anything like this? 
No, never, never. No, that, that, those forty-eight hours from Sunday to Tuesday night were just the, the craziest forty-eight hours I've ever known in football. In terms of how quickly things happen, mm. how it was just the, the pace of the moving beast, and it spiraled, and just constant stories, new lines emerging, emerging, emerging from all angles, and then. Yeah, then the, just even the, the, how quickly it all happened at Chelsea, the, the, yeah. the protest started, and then mid-protest, it, turned, it completely turned into celebration. It was just crazy. Even my wife knew what's going on, and when my wife knows what's going on with football, <laughs> then something seriously big is happening. It yeah, was, yeah, just a crazy, crazy week that I, I won't forget for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I saw you know that clip of Petr Cech sort of holding back, going, let them through, let them through. And it was like some sort of mad, surreal movie that someone had, had put together. And yeah, look, it, it, it's been mad. But we'll, we'll go at it from an Arsenal perspective and we, we might work backwards. So the first person to, to front up publicly from an Arsenal perspective, beyond that statement that came out from the board, <laughs> in inverted commas, yeah. uh, was Mikel Arteta at his press conference today, earlier on today, on, on Thursday. Um, I'm curious as to, as to what you thought about the way he dealt with it, because he is in a really difficult position, given that he is an employee of the football club. His boss is Stan Kroenke. Stan Kroenke wanted this thing to happen and, and was prepared to to um, cause huge upheaval in the football world to make it happen. Um, Arteta, I think... In my opinion, anyway, I think he was probably a little more exercised by what had happened than he let on. Um, he said the right things about fans, about uh, fans being the soul of the game, about how competitiveness was key in football. And that, of course, is something that Jurgen Klopp said and Pep Guardiola said in, in their interviews as well. Uh, and when it came to the owners, my sense is that he was just, you know, leaving aside the difficult position he's in, he must understand the depths of feeling that people have towards what's happened and towards the owners um, and was trying in some ways as the first person in public to talk about this, not to add more fuel to the fire, if you like. So I'm, I'm just curious as to what you thought about how he dealt with the questions today. I thought he dealt with the questions pretty well. He was in a, he's in that classic between a rock and a hard place, isn't he? It's, mm. it, he's not going to go and absolutely throw the Cronkies under a bus. I mean, he, like you said, he's their employee. I mean, would any of us in that situation, even if you totally agree, disagreed with a decision your company have made, would you absolutely go and lambast them in front of the world's media? I don't think you you would. It's, um, you've got to be as respectful as you can while getting your point across. Mm. And I thought he did that. Like, but I thought what he said about the fans was brilliant. I thought it was really, really good. Um, and he didn't discourage the protest by any means on Friday. You know, he said, we've got to let the fans express themselves and, and try and win their trust back, which they do. Um, he was, I, I've seen him get, he's been getting a little bit of criticism about how he, what he said about the Cronkies or what he didn't say about the Cronkies. But I don't think, I don't think he was going to ever going to really go there and absolutely slate him. And if, if any of them, yeah, I mean, Jurgen Klopp said that he didn't agree with what was said, uh, what, what the plan was. Pep Guardiola has said, something similar and talked about the competition and that sort of mm. stuff, but he hasn't gone and thrown the owners under the bus. And I don't think Mikel was ever going to do that. I don't think anyone can and just not in the position to. So I actually thought he dealt with it pretty well. And I thought Arsenal dealt with it pretty well because again, some of those press conferences earlier in the week have been tried to be pulled and um, press officers have tried to step in. Arsenal didn't do that. They mm. let it flow and they continued. I mean, he's faced what half an hour of questions, even after the camera switched off and the, 
embargo section was all about it as well and yeah. he didn't try to stop it or anything like that so i thought he dealt with it pretty well and he's like i said he but he's not the guy who should be fronting up and taking these questions it, it, he deals with the football matters and you know where, where's stan Kroenke being in this where's josh Kroenke? yes we're going to hear from him later today or a select group of people going to hear from him later today in a closed off fans forum and, and that's about it but they should be front front of house for this dealing with it it's their choice they're the ones who took us down this path no one else mm. you know Vinay is going to be hung out to dry <laughs> now really and again I think he was in a very difficult position um but Kroenke should be uh, the fact that they didn't even put their name on the statement the, the, the fact that the board signed off that statement on Tuesday night it's just it, typical of them just hiding behind the club hiding behind the board when this is all them and they should be front of house now answering all these type of questions. It's it, just not happened. It is mad that they tried to make something of this magnitude happen without having the, the I don't even know if you, like if you have the conviction of something, you know, you're not afraid to put your name to something if you truly believe it is the right thing for, you know, to protect the football club, as they said in their statement, you know. But even then, you know, in that apology slash, well, we were only trying to do our best for you to protect your football club, they still hid behind this idea of the board and even when it was being announced there was no no um quote not even a line from the owners who had to know you know i'm not saying that the cronkies and kse are are experts in in premier league football or football or football clubs we know that they're not that it's not their 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 strength if you like uh, i don't quite know what their strengths are but you know this in particular is not really their strength but at the same time they've been here long enough to know and to understand i mean you don't have uh, clandestine meetings and then push this thing out all of a sudden if you don't know that the reaction to it is going to be bad you know so they 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 really have caused a, a big schism, haven't they, between themselves and, and the fan base. And I think it's right to separate fans and the club. We can be um, annoyed with the club as an entity or whatever. But, you know, ultimately, as you said, this has come from the owners. How is it possible for them in any way to rebuild trust? And, and I know, again, we're speaking ahead of what Josh says at this this fans forum meeting, but unless there's something miraculous comes out of his mouth, you know, even then you're not going to take it at face value. No, absolutely. It's been an insult from start to finish. There's no coming back from this for them. It was already bad enough as it was, mm. and no one really trusted him before all this. But now, I mean, how can you possibly trust him again? Well, we've seen this. He's played his hand now, Stan Crocky. This is what he came here for. This was his big dream. The whole type Super League type thing, the Americanization of, of European football, of English football, and this was his dream. And he played his hand and, he, and it backfired spectacularly. And there's no coming back from it, uh, in my view, for him. He's stirred up the hornet's nest again because it has relatively calmed down the feeling towards him. He's, you know, he's never been popular. We all know that. The mm. protests at the end of the Wenger era were as much aimed at Stan Kroenke as they were at getting, or more aimed at Stan Kroenke as they were at getting Wenger out. But then it has quietened down a bit. We've seen a couple of points like the Aston Villa playing at the end of last season. But really, it's quietened down a bit. And he's now brought it right back to the forefront. And it is not going to go away anytime soon, I don't think. He has stirred up the hornet's nest. And speaking to some of the fan groups in the last couple of days, you know, the AST have been fantastic in all of this. I think they've been brilliant leading in the charge. 
um, you know, Red Action as well. And, and speaking of the people there, I know that, you know, this is just the beginning. What we're going to see on Friday in terms of the protest is just the beginning. And it's not just going to centre around protest now. It's going to centre around change and ownership change and trying to drive through that with the help of government and um, the football authority. So I think not just Cronky, but the whole of the everyone involved in the big six and the way that the owners have tried to muscle this through um, and the reasons that, awful reasons that they've given for it has just stirred up the hornet's nest that is English football fans and we've seen what when they get together what they can do in the last few days and um, I think this is only only going to be the start as well I really think that we're going to see a real concerted effort now to yeah. bring change to the top of English football I mean they, they did to be fair to them at least attempt to build a better relationship you know when Josh started to get a bit involved and he did have some meetings and there was the we care do you thing and they responded to that and of course you know it's it's reactive it's not proactive it's not like let's go out and make a better relationship with Arsenal fans but it's like okay they're unhappy let's placate them a little bit but you know there were some attempts and they have absolutely um, set fire to those now so if if this was the end game if we make the assumption that a kind of Americanized closed league system was the end game for Stan Kroenke and it's not going to happen. Where does that leave him? I mean, there are two things I suppose that, that he can do. One is consider his, his investment or his ownership of the football club and maybe look to sell it. I mean, that's a huge thing in itself because it, it requires a massive investment for somebody to come in and pay the money that Kroenke would want to take Arsenal off his hands. The other one is to sort of sit there, let it die down a bit and try again. So which do you think is more likely? Up until now, I've never, ever even considered Stan Kroenke ever selling Arsenal. But I think this is, this is the only stage where I've thought there could be the slightest of possibilities, just given, like you said, I I feel this was what he's always come here for, and now suddenly that door has been closed. And you would think, despite some of the noises come out from Spain at the moment, that it's been closed for the foreseeable future. I don't see how you can suddenly come back in a year or two's time with this on the table, Mm. even a slightly different way. I think we've certainly seen the end of the Super League for now. And is he going to want to? Is he going to want to stick around? I mean, Arsenal now are losing money since he's come in. They've always made money. And now suddenly in the last two years, they're losing money. They're going to lose even more at the end of this year, given what's going on. Um, are they going to get back in the Champions League anytime soon? On-field pitch, on-field performances suggest not. And as long as Arsenal are out of the Champions League, they're going to be losing money unless they sell players because the whole business model has been built around that. We've seen it with the wage bill. They can't control it and they're losing money. And then you've got COVID on top of that. So it's the first time that I thought maybe he'll think, you know what, it's it's not worth it because I'm not, making any money i'm just losing money and he's you know he's certainly made an awful lot when it comes to the share price and the investment and what he's mm. investing in the club because he's never spent any money himself so maybe there is a chance but um i don't know whenever you speak to anyone who has any dealings with a cronkies or knows a cronkies they've always said the same thing he doesn't sell he won't yeah. sell but this is the first time that i thought to myself maybe he will start thinking to himself you know what what i want to get out of this club isn't going to happen and so what is the point if I'm just going to start losing money? Yeah. Is there any part of your brain that thinks, look, you're dealing with rich men who are surrounded by, you know, I'm not saying they're all geniuses and, you know, there's no correlation between wealth and intelligence, right? I think we all understand that. But 
Is there any suspicion that this idea came out so half-baked, that, that, that fell apart so quickly? Was it just sheer incompetence, or is there something more to it, perhaps? Because it's maybe crazy. It's sheer incompetence. I mean, maybe there is, maybe they're, they've tricked us all, and there is something something bigger behind it and they actually wanted it to play out like this but i can't imagine that's the case it just feels like utter sheer incompetence i tried to rush it through before uefa got through their changes to mm. the champions league they thought as rich billionaires do that they hold all the power and that they're going to win their battle because that's what they've always done and this time they lost they didn't um, they didn't consider or they didn't know enough about football fans to realize that this is going to be one step too far and it was a battle they were always going to lose. And I just feel like it was sheer incompetence. And honestly, it's wound me up. So much of it is wound me up. Like their statements, the statements that the Super League put out afterwards. I ha- talking about the pandemic, using the pandemic as an excuse for all of this is just, it's such a disgrace. Like millions of lives have been lost and damaged and the world is just a different place. And they're using that as an excuse for the financial issues that football's going on. The, f- the reason that football finances are a mess are because of... <laughs> Awful management, wasted money, huge agent fees, wages that are just spiralling, they're allowed to spiral, grieved. That's why football is in the state it is financially. Don't use a pandemic because of it. Don't say, oh, we're trying to do this to bring stability to the game. You're the guys who've ruined the stability of the game. So don't use those sort of things and excuses. It's really wound me up the, the last week, all the excuses. I'm delighted that it's come crashing down around all of them and that for the first time, probably for a long time they've really felt what it feels like to lose out and mm. embarrass themselves and unfortunately it's embarrassed the football club as well and it's embarrassed good people at Arsenal good people at Liverpool good people at Chelsea yeah. and they have to deal with the fallout of it and the fact you know like I said we're, the Cronkies are over in America they probably don't even care they'll switch the TV off for a bit you know, they, they won't even watch the protest probably on Friday night and it's the people on the ground over here who are going to have to deal with it and it's just the way it is, unfortunately. Yeah, like Cronkies uh, can put out a statement, but it's the Arsenal Twitter admin, you know, who gets the grief. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, does it is it going to cause a, a measure of introspection um, about football in general and how we've got here? Like, is is what's happened not simply a consequence of of everything that has been allowed to? to go on in English football and not just English football, but, you know, when you invite these guys into the room, ultimately this is what's going to happen when you don't have the right safeguards in place for club ownership. You know, we're all, I'm not saying any of this is our fault, but in some ways we're all kind of complicit because we're we're part of the machine. And look, we're just very, very, very small cogs in that. You know, we're fans um, and our loyalty is to our club and we're invested in the clubs, we're invested in the game and the, the prospect of success and the excitement of games and scoring goals and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, this is this is an issue that is long in the making, isn't it? That it would be wrong to think right now, okay, we are not going to have a European Super League, at least not in the format of, of the thing that was proposed. We have won. Football is safe. Football is saved when we can easily turn our attention to, to Sky, to BT Sport, to UEFA, to FIFA, to our World Cup in Qatar, to all of these things which should have and have in some small way or in small ways or big ways, however people want to pay attention to them, set alarm bells ringing. 
but it's kind of easier to just go along with it than to be um, virulent, virulently objective uh, to, I don't even know if that's the right thing to say, but you know what I mean? That, that, yeah. that, you know, to stand up and say, okay, enough, enough. That's not, we, there's a line here. This has been a line for, for, for many people, but surely the line of six and a half thousand migrant workers dying to build stadiums for a world cup in the winter in 2022 that should also have been a line. I mean, do we now have to look at ourselves and, and think about how we react to things like this going forward? I think we do. I think the whole football world needs to. And that's why I'm some of the talk that when I'm talking about like the AST and how they're going to get involved in the future to try and bring change at Arsenal. I think, you know, government's getting involved, possibly looking at it. You, you would hope that this could be the catalyst for something bigger and to really look it's going to be hard because we've allowed, like you said, we've allowed it to spiral to this point. It's like, how do you draw back from this point? And what can mm. you do? It's really hard to put the reins on the beast that we've, that we've created really, but you can't, you do feel you, you, you've got to a point where you're hoping that this might bring to some sort of serious change. And there is so many things we need to look at. I mean, there's been so much hypocrisy said in the last few days. And like you said, you got Gary Neville talking on sky and, talking from his soapbox and what a lot of what he said was great but at the end of the day you're sitting in the sky studio saying this when you know sky don't care about fans i mean how many times have we sit, sat there and seen the fixture list brought out from the tv changes and fans aren't even to get back on the train from that matches and it's all come from sky and bt sport even the football clubs leeds united walking out there saying with t-shirts on saying football for the fans it's the same leeds united who are charging away fans in the championship 40 quid for a ticket and mm. so we, we've all allowed it to get to this point no one's no one's the winner here uefa certainly aren't the winner here fifa certainly aren't the winner here yes the super league are being painted as the bad guys and the clubs are being painted as bad guys but the whole of football really is a bad guys and i was talking about this earlier that the fact that uefa now are sort of being held up as the beacon of hope that they've won this that they've won this great battle is just awful because you know you wait for yeah. no saviors they never have been and they never will be and um so it is a shame that now suddenly they're looking like the good guys so we we do need to take stock and you do hope that this is the sort of point where everyone sits down and says no we need we need to work out how we can bring some change and bring some normality back to the football and maybe the smaller clubs have got a part to play in that and they're the voices now that need to be heard and said look because the big six have allowed to be get as powerful as they are to be in the position where they think they can do this. Mm. Maybe now the unity of the other clubs involved can help bring some sort of change and not just here in Spain in the Liga. We've seen the Liga, all the other clubs there having a voice in Italy as well. So maybe they can sort of join up together and become as powerful as the other clubs and can force through change. So hopefully, but like you said, I mean, how and how, how long it would take, who can do it, it's... Mm. It's such a difficult question to answer. It is really complicated. And look, this was a, a, an attempted coup on football. It was a land grab. It was a, a, a money-inspired uh, uh, proposal. But we can't we can't ignore the fact or not look at why it happened. Because if you just ignore why this came to pass it'll just happen again in some different form, you know? So hopefully it will uh, create some kind of reckoning or at least, you know, an awareness from people that there are things that we can do uh, as football fans that when you when you come together 
in many ways and you can leave tribalism to one side it's not always easy and it's like you can't do it before North London Derby or before you play Chelsea or Man United you, you know that's not what I'm talking about I'm just talking about things that genuinely impact every football fan that if they can come together and uh, and show collective power it might work let me ask you um, and it was something that Mikel Arteta was asked in his press conference today do you think this could have an impact on the team and on the players and look it's it's hard to quantify this season with Arsenal because you know we veered from good to really bad uh, and everywhere in between along the way so it's difficult to say if we go on a bad run that like oh well this is because of everything that's happened it could be just you know who we are and what we've done so far this season but you know the the players weren't consulted they weren't spoken to um they were left in the dark as much as we were as fans uh, and they're being left in the dark by a club which told them to take pay cuts and gave them a chance to to recoup their losses if you like by qualifying for the Europa League and qualifying for the Champions League remember in the in the 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 information that came out it was like if you win the Champions League you could get x amount of money you know you can't get that money if there's no Champions League because your club has entered into a, into a Super League so how does Mikel Arteta deal with this internally is it kind of us against them, and I don't mean us against the opposition, but an us against them in terms of the the ownership in a way. And is that a healthy way to to go about things? I wouldn't say that's a healthy way to go about things. No, I think you need to try and have everyone inside the club on the same page if you want to want to create something good. Um, so I think the club has certainly hurt themselves in that regard, or the ownership has certainly hurt hurt the club in that regard. Not just here, but everywhere. I think it's got to have an effect. I can't see how it won't. I think what you, on two on both sides, really, because you're going to have teams who are going to be desperate to beat Arsenal now. Every team they come up against, think whatever it are going to be like on Friday, think what Villarreal are going to be like in the semi-final. Yeah. That was going to be a hard enough semi-final. Is. Now with this added, um, added sort of storyline to it and how motivated you feel those players are going to be to show um, that you know, that Arsenal didn't deserve to be there in the first place. And that is a big question as well. What, what did Arsenal do to deserve to be in this Super League? Yes, they're one of the most successful clubs in England and have the history but let's face it for a long time now they've not been at that sort of level they're sitting ninth in the Premier League the fact that they were drawing 1-1 with Fulham mm. at the time and this was all coming out sort of spoke volumes really so all the teams that are going to be against them are going to have that extra motivation plus you're going to have the players who are certainly going to be negatively affected by it it's been a mad week at London Colney no doubt about that the players left totally in the dark um, we saw Hector's tweet he's the only one who's really spoken out about it um Maybe that's because he knows he's leaving in the summer, so he's in a better position than most to really have his say on it. Even tomorrow, you think about it, I'm really intrigued, and I don't know the answer to this yet, if what the what the club are going to do in terms of getting the players into the stadium, are they going to get there like five or six hours early and have them there so they don't have to deal with what could end up being a bit of a bear pit in terms of getting the coach through the, the streets and down Hornsey Road and mm. into the Queensland Road entrance, surrounded by thousands angry Arsenal fans so are they going to have to go there a few hours a few hours early and you know it's all going to have an impact I really do think it will and if they don't and they do have to go through that sort of bear pit which it might end up being on the streets we saw what was happening at Chelsea you know that's certainly going to knock on we saw with Chelsea's performance as well against Brighton and Thomas Tuchel admitting afterwards that he thought it had an effect so I think it is between now and the end of the season. It's it can't. It's going to be impossible not to. I really yeah. do think it will. I mean, the protests that are uh, due to happen tomorrow evening, and I think we can all understand why they're going to happen. And um, you know, fans have been driven to this point, and it'll be like you say, fascinating to see a the numbers that turn up and b 
what the reaction is like uh, for the players. I mean, you would imagine that the majority of people who are going to go and who are going to protest are protesting against the ownership and what they've done and the damage that they have caused this week and not the team. So it would be a surprise to me if there was like an outpouring of, of anger or like someone threw a brick through the window of the team bus or something like that. But it is something to, to consider, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think they'll do something like that. But we saw what happened with Liverpool and Leeds on, on what was it? Was That was Monday night, wasn't yeah. it? And you can't... How do you make a real protest towards the owners at the moment without actually taking on what's going on on the pitch? It's mm. like the only way they can really protest. And we saw the Liverpool bus got... You know, when they were getting off the bus, they had to deal with all that abuse. And, you know, Arsenal are going to have to drive through the streets very close to where the, the protest is going. And if they want to really make a point and they want to really get their point across in terms of getting it on TV and getting it across the world to America where the Cronkies might view it. And it's going to have to be something like that. And um, I mean, they so, don't, yeah, I hope it doesn't, they don't take the team bus anymore. Do they to the home games? Is it not a case that the players are arriving individually rather than meeting at a hotel? I'm always driving about the same sort of time that we get in as a team coach. And I'm pretty sure they do. They used right. to, they used to go. It was, um, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm wrong on it, but I'm pretty sure they they do at the moment. Um, it's the way it's the way it has to happen with the with the COVID rules. But right. maybe I'm wrong on it. I mean, it's certainly the Everton team bus has to go through because they're always going in about an hour and a half beforehand. Um, but I'm pretty sure they go in with a coach. But even so, even that, sort of away from that, and you know what they're going to do. You've seen what Manchester United fans have done today at Carrington. You know, it, yeah. it's directing the team. They're stopping them training and you know getting into the training ground. And again it's the only really way they can make their point heard and really protest and make sure the Glazers take notice is by affecting first team matters. And um, it feels like that's how things are going to go over the coming weeks. And especially when Arsenal go to away games as well, is are the other fans, will they, will it linger with them that long between now and the end of the season that rival fans will want to make, make their point as well. We'll have to wait and see on that. If we see similar scenes that we saw at Ellen road, but I certainly think on Friday night, it might end up being a bit of a perfect storm for Arsenal. This one, they've had all week the fans to mobilise for it. They've seen the protests at other clubs. It's mm. Friday night. It's sunny. Everyone's going to be on the on the beer. It's good. <laughs> no, the weather looks perfect tomorrow night. And it does feel like it might end up being a little bit of a perfect storm that Arsenal are just going to have to try and deal with tomorrow night and, uh, and get it out of the way. Well, look, we'll wait and see what happens. Um, ultimately, this is not down to the manager. It's not down to the players. But they... You know, like Arteta at his press conference, they are the public face of the football club. Um, and, you know, it was perhaps lost in the uh, drama of the week that, you know, there's still a lot of football to play this season, a lot uh, still to play for from an Arsenal perspective. So, you know, all we can do is hope that what's happened this week and, and what happens tomorrow night uh, in terms of the, the protests um, doesn't have a negative impact on uh, on what we've still got to do this season because, you know, we've got Villarreal, Europa League semi-final and then potentially a, a, a final. So th- there's a lot still to, to do and for Mikel Arteta to get his players focused on. Yeah, I mean, literally, he said it in his press conference today, Arteta could write a Hollywood-like film script on what he's <laughs> dealt with since he's arrived at Arsenal. Yeah. It is when, you list, when you list it from start to finish, everything that's gone on since he arrived and walked into that club, it's absolutely remarkable that his hair is still as pristine as it always is. Um, 
And uh, yeah, it's been absolutely dramatic. I mean, that Villarreal game, I was, I was so looking forward to it all before this all mm. happened. It's a brilliant semi-final, I thought, because there was so much on it for Arsenal. You had the whole, you've got the Unai backstory as well to add to it. It just felt like a real proper semi-final, obviously without the fans, which is the, the one real sort of drawback to it. And then that this all happened and suddenly I thought, well, it doesn't matter. It, it's, who cares if you lose? Because you're going to be in this competition. Anyway, it takes away, it's taken away all the, Mm. all the drama of that semi-final now back on again but it's all been clouded by what's by what's happened and it's just taken the gloss off it a little bit for me now I think kind of football's taken a bit of a step step back in terms of what's been happening what's going to happen on the pitch between now and the end of the season and I'm sure that's kind of been similar to what Arteta and the players are feeling so they need to get the game faces back on now and and settle down because like you said it is there's still an awful lot of football to, to play and if they can get through Villarreal which is going to be tough then you know you're 90 minutes away from the Champions League again, and, yeah. um, and you've got an absolute great chance of getting yourself back amongst elite foot, elite football and the money that that will bring in the summer. So, yeah, it's like they've got to try and focus any way they can in the next few days. Yeah, well, look, hopefully, what happens on the pitch will remind us of what's really good and great about football and why we all love it so much. So, a few goals and a, a few good wins would would certainly help. Uh, I guess sort of rekindle some of the th- the things that have been lost this week because of everything that's happened. But look, we'll leave it there, Charles. Thanks a million as always. Great to talk to you. So, man. Cheers, Andrew. Speak soon. Thank you very much indeed to Charles. You can find him on Twitter. He is at Charles underscore Watts, at Charles underscore Watts. And he writes about Arsenal for goal.com. We'll be right back. Just got to take a short break for the news. Arsenal Football Club today announced its intention to withdraw from the Premier League to join the new Super Duper League. It's bigger, it's brighter, it's shinier. And there's loads more money without having to deal with trifling things like success or achievement. Owner son Joshua Cronkett said, <laughs> We're going to shit your mouth. The owners see no circumstances whatsoever in which this plan could fail. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of. Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. 
Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. On Thursday, Josh Kroenke met with Arsenal fans to discuss the club's involvement in the proposed Super League. It hasn't gone down well with Arsenal fans. It hasn't gone down well with football fans. And the groveling apology statement on Tuesday night was a real climb down for the owners for KSE. And with me to discuss what happened at that meeting and what Josh Kroenke said, I'm delighted to welcome to the show from the Arsenal Supporters Trust. It's Akil Vias. Hi, Akil. How's it going? Yeah, all good. Just just surviving. It's funny because Josh Kroenke started saying that he's hardly slept this week. Well, he's not the only one. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I feel like I haven't slept all week either. So, um, yeah. yeah, no, no. All good. All good. Okay. Well, look, what was your assessment of the mood of Josh Kroenke? And also Vinay was there as well. So, you know, it wasn't just him after what has been a a pretty chaotic, shambolic week for Arsenal Football Club, the owners, the hierarchy, the executives and everything else. I mean, initially when this Super League stuff went down, the fans forum was cancelled and then it was put back on and then there was talk of Josh and you know uh, I think we spent all day going back and forth on DMs because the the time of the meeting has changed about 17 times today Um, so what what was your sense of like him being there I mean I I guess he probably didn't want to be there given the circumstances but like what what was your yeah I mean on on Monday we had a conversation with Arsenal um with our reaction to the uh, Super League and and we made it very clear we oppose it um we didn't really get any kind of justifications and I think that's been the problem all the owners disappeared went into hiding because they were ashamed um and then we, we told we told Arsenal they need to hold some sort of a forum. They've cancelled it. How it there was you know it was very cowardly the way they cancelled it. And and to be fair to them, they did put it on. And then yesterday, Wednesday, the so day before the forum, um, all the supporter reps got together and said, no, we're going to send an email into Arsenal saying the owners have to be there. And the reason why I, I you know I, I led that bit, and the reason why we did was the statement that was put out on Tuesday night. It was signed off by the Arsenal board. Now, Vinay is not on the Arsenal board. Mm. The Arsenal board consists of four people. Josh Kroenke, Stan Kroenke, Tim Lewis and Lord Harris. So unless any of them are going to be in this forum, it's pointless. So we wanted a direct apology from one of them, i.e. Stan or Josh. So I think there was a bit of pressure on that because they knew we would go public. Um, So, you know, Josh, Josh, Josh did turn up. It was tense at the start. You know, there was that nervous sort of... Josh had a nervous kind of smile on his face, I think, because he probably was a bit nervous. But it, it was, you know, there was... I think there was an attempt or two at an icebreaker. <laughs> it didn't, it didn't <laughs> really happen. There was just, you know, you, you obviously viewers can't see... Or listeners can't see my face. But it was very firm faces from all of us mm. reps because it wasn't happening. Um, and then it started with, with, with Vinay kind of just apologising for Arsenal's part. Um, which obviously he he's done. I think he's done it to the players, the manager, to the other fourteen clubs as well. Um, he he, he, met, he said it was like a train. The train was leaving. They had to decide whether to get on. 
Um, Mm. I mean, they said, yeah. I think the, the quote from Vinay, uh, I, it's paraphrasing because the guys at Red Action have put out, you know, they were yeah. live tweeting the thing. So uh, thank you to those guys for doing that. But there was, uh, let me see if I can find it here. He said something along the lines of, we were not the authors of yeah. this project. Now, there is a distinction to be made, isn't there, between not being the authors and a complete lack of involvement. Um I mean, where do you stand on on that side of things? Like, we may not have been the guys who came up with the idea, but it's inconceivable to me that behind the scenes there were not discussions going on. It wasn't like someone came along and said, listen, this is happening. Either get on or get off. This is your only chance. Yeah. You know, you know what it reminded me of when he said that? It reminded me of that Hatton Garden robbery. Because I remember watching the documentary on that. And it was one of them said... Well, it wasn't my idea. I went along with it. And, you know, he's obviously in the nick now. I mean, it, it, it doesn't wash with me at all that whether you're a founder, author, invite, you're all involved. They're all involved in my eyes. So that, mm. that is a poor excuse. He did, to be fair to me, he did say we're not using this as an excuse, but it, it's definitely not an excuse. He then handed over to Josh, who kind of came in. Um, you know, he talked about leadership is about making the right decisions for the club. Clearly, he needs to improve as a leader then. Um, he said that we, as a board, they asked themselves two questions. Um, is it worse to have a Super League or is it worse to have a Super League without Arsenal? Um, so, you know, that's maybe a justification. And the other question was, what do the fans think? Yeah. Um, and then he, he, he proceeded to tell us what, Europe, what, what the global fan base thinks and what the English fans think. And that's kind of when I, I got to come in and questioned, well, he hasn't talked to fans. He hasn't engaged with fans. What What is he basing well, this on, you know? Yeah. I mean, that was that was the thing. It was like this, yeah. this massive assumption, generalisation about global fans, like as if the only games that uh, Arsenal's amazing fans around the world are interested in are are uh, Arsenal versus Barcelona, right? Uh, it's It's ridiculous. I mean, one of the things that draws people from all over the world to to football, and I don't just mean Arsenal, is, you know, the, the, the way it's set up, the structure of it, the competitive nature of it. You know, and uh, English fans, as he said, you know, they also want to see Arsenal play Barcelona, but they want to see Arsenal play Barcelona when Arsenal A are good enough to get into a competition that Barcelona are in. You know, so there was this this idea, what was his other line? Like, you want your cold nights in Stoke, well, no, hang on. Nobody wants a fucking cold night in Stoke, mate. You know. Well, that that was that was on the back of he said he saw uh, a, a, on TV a Chelsea fan holding up a mm. sign outside Stamford Bridge. So, you know, he's he's basing his whole justification on a fan outside the ground with a it's laughable of a different club. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, maybe he thought it was the same club. I don't know. Uh, maybe he thought that was our third shirt. Um, <laughs> bit unfair but you know what you know what yeah, 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 yeah. There. um but i mean you know the, it went on and we talked about engagement i said well clearly you know you, you totally messed up this this week um you, you don't get our game you don't get our fans either get some fans at board representation so actually they can advise you and guide you mm. or, or or it's time to go it's time to leave because you're clearly not 
you know, you're, you're not right for England and you're not right for football. What did he say um, to that? I mean, I mean, that was pretty direct. That was, that got, the they retweeted the absolute bollocks out of that one. Yeah, so I'm yeah, sure your well, mentions are going crazy, but like, you know, yeah. yeah, fair enough. But I mean, it's one of those things that like, when do you get the opportunity to say something like that to somebody? You know, yeah. this week in particular, when, you know, all of us have seen who they are and what they want ultimately from Arsenal and how much they have misread. I mean, at the very, at the most generous that you could be, as they say, well, they didn't quite understand or they misread the situation. The other side of it, of course, is that this was quite deliberate. They knew what they were doing. They knew fine well what they were doing and they just didn't care uh, or, or thought that they could get away with not caring. So when you said that to him, what was the reaction from him to that? <laughs> um, he said he wants to engage. He said either at the supporter forums or, or at board level. He, he didn't. He What's, didn't what it. stopped him engaging until yeah, now? Well, well, wait for this. It was the pandemic. Um, I you, was told it was. You were on a Zoom meeting, right? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, on, yeah, on yeah. teams, and yeah, it was a pandemic. Apparently, didn't know it you could get us. COVID via Zoom. Well, I didn't know you could get COVID to eight years ago, or seven years ago, six years ago, five mm. years ago, four years ago, three years ago. You, know, you could maybe get it yeah, about yeah. two years ago. So, so it was a, a, a poor excuse. I mean, my my nan was eighty five before she passed away, and she used to use Skype. So it, it's a pathetic excuse. Um, he said he prefers to meet in person. Well, to arrange this Super League, they wouldn't have met in person. They would have used Teams or Zoom. So yeah, I, I, that, that you know that that's the bit that got me as an absolute pathetic excuse, to be honest. Um, but you know they've said they've got no interest to sell um, at all. Um, so we see what happens. Obviously, there's the lobbying go- uh, government to change structures and stuff like that. That work will, on- will be ongoing mm-hmm. um, and we'll see what happens. But we've certainly, you know, I made sure it was actioned. It was minuted. Um, I want that on record that Josh Honky has said he's willing to engage with supporters at supporter forums or at board level. Let's, 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 let's make that happen. You know, I think we're going to invite Josh Honky to an ASD meeting, a virtual event. Let's see if he turns up, you know, is mm-hmm. it just words or does he mean it? We'll see. We will see. I mean, there were other questions as well about um, other aspects of the club and about the trust between the owners and the fans. And he talked about rebuilding that and, and those kind of things. Like, look, you know, when you're in that kind of a situation, if you're moderately intelligent, you know what is the right thing to say. We don't like you. I'm going to work hard to, to make you like me. We don't trust you. It's up to me to earn your trust. We don't believe that you're the right person to take the club forward. Well, we will demonstrate to you that we are the right people. You know, we don't think you have a plan. Oh, you better believe we got a plan. You know, that kind of stuff. So it is kind of easy to say the things that people want to hear in meetings like this. You were, you know, I know it's different when you're uh, on Zoom and it's not face-to-face, but do you did you perceive sincerity from this or was this, you know, and look, it's yeah. hard for me to say, look, tell me what was in his mind. I can't ask you, but I'm asking you for your perception yeah. of what you were told during that meeting. Did you come away in any way encouraged even slightly by by what you heard and what he had to say and how he had to say it? No. Not, not at all, I'm afraid. Um, by the way, when he talked about rebuilding trust, he was told by another rep member that, well, to rebuild it, we would have had to trust you in the first place and we don't trust you. So, you know, fair mm. play to that rep member. Um, but no, no, not at all. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, 
you know, if 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 I'm going to be totally honest with you, we have met Vinay several times, got to know him a little bit. I I feel that he's worked for the club for ten years. I do feel when he talks, he's a bit more transparent. He's open. I'm not saying you know his what he did was right in this or anything. I'm not justifying it, but I'm just saying as a person, yep. I get that. But with Josh, I, I'm afraid I haven't. I've met him twice now. The fact that there's been a three-year gap between the two tells you all you need to know. So it's just words, Andrew. It's just words at the moment to me. And, and we've been fed words for years. You know, you know that, I know that, mm. everyone listening to this knows that. So it, for me, it's just words, not encouraged at all. But they might surprise me or, or they probably won't. Yeah. So, I mean, where do we go from here then? If they've no intention of selling, if they want to do the things that they say they want to do, um, I mean, th- there was another part, wasn't there, where he, he was asked about, you know, if this came up again, if the Super League idea came up again, what would you do? And it was like, well, you know, we'd consult with fans. It's difficult because of confidentiality, but we would consult with fans, which, you know, it doesn't make you think that they think this thing is over. And and that's my, one of my big fears in all this is that people like, the Cronkies, the Glazers, um, you know, these people who are billionaires and have money and influence are not used to not getting what they want. They don't like it. They won't stand for it. And when they decide they want something, generally they make it happen. Like they may have to grease a few wheels. They may have to like take a step back to take a step forward again. But if this is what they view as the strategic future of football. Uh, and like, I don't clearly, I don't, and you don't. And most of the people listening to this don't, you know, it's not like JP Morgan are coming along and giving all these football clubs 4 billion pounds and not wanting something back. They want something back. You don't get fucking free money in this world for anything. So, you know, they obviously view this thing as still, viable but just in a different format like if they could sell it to people i mean do you think that's what they're going to do well you know I, I, I another way of phrasing that question was i asked them about do they believe in sporting merit um and he said yes he does so i did sort of ask him well why do you sign up to this then um because it wasn't sporting merit mm. you know how can you look at Leicester City or an Everton or a West Ham fan in the eye when you've just done what you've just done because we'll probably finish below all of them um, so it, it, it's, you know, I, I think it's where we go from here is obviously, you know, we do want some sort of fan representation at boardroom level. We'll continue to push for that. He's maybe opened the door on that, maybe in panic because he felt he had to. I don't know, but, but yeah. we'll push for that. We'll continue to lobby government to, to try, you know, it works in Germany. Um, different model, different fan. I totally get that, but it does, it does, you know, work there. So mm. we'll continue to, to lobby government. Boris Johnson committed a report to us, and you know, again, we're talking about trusting owners, <laughs> trusting politicians is another question there as well. But <laughs> Tracy Crouch is leading on a um, a report. We're going to feed into that. So you know, there's a few a few avenues, but I, I think you know, really. Noise is good. Um, you know, a lot of fans have asked us what they can do. Well, they can, you know, write to their MP for the government stuff. It's all, you know, uh, it, it hopefully is all happening there. People are, you know, arranging protests and stuff. And as long as they're done safely, sensibly, you know, adhering to social distancing and, and stuff like that, because um, obviously we don't want anything to go wrong pandemic-wise, 
Um, there'll be stuff on social media. I think I think noise is great, and I think that's ultimately the noise has helped, hasn't it? This week, so there's a few avenues that mm. we want to want to go for, and and you know we'll see. But it's been. I mean, I, I put out a tweet the other day, bit tongue in cheek, but I actually thanked Stan Kroenke and Josh Kroenke because I thanked them for bringing Arsenal fans back together. Because I tell you what, the unity I've seen this week has been unreal. You know all this. You know, competition between people and groups, and it's all gone. You know, mm. we've talked to supporter groups, all podcasts. We've talked to, you know, uh, fan channels even. You know, Tim did a few things there. We, we've done all sorts because actually every fan was united in this, or majority of fans were united in this. So, you know, if there's one thing they've done, cheers, Stan. Well, I mean, it's not just Stan and Arsenal fans. It's the, the big six, you know, in yeah. inverted commas again. You know, and, and what they've done for the collective football fan, because I think we have to realise that football is a thing that we have our rivalries, and rivalry is brilliant. It's great. It's what, what fuels us and, and helps fire the excitement and everything else. But at the end of the day, you know, it's it's our game, if you like, and, and whether you're a fan of Arsenal or Man United or Liverpool or whatever, you know, if you're getting screwed over, then we're all getting screwed over, and the collective power that we can have is is, is interesting. I mean, just behind the scenes... You know, what have the AST, the Arsenal Supporters Trust, been doing since this dropped on, on Sunday night? And, you know, how can people get involved with with the group if they want to join? And and what, what um, if you were going to sell signing yeah. up to the Arsenal Supporters Trust to the listeners, how would you do that? So the AST has been active since Saturday morning when we got wind of this. Um, and when I say active... It was starting those kind of government conversations. Obviously, we met with, with Boris Johnson on Tuesday. You know, that, that doesn't just happen sort of overnight. There was plans mm. there. We, we team up. We're a member of the FSA, the Football uh, Supporters Association. So we work with all the other supporter groups. As you say, rivalry goes out the window. We were in WhatsApp groups with Spurs, Man City, Chelsea, Man United. Um and, and, you know, we'll continue to work. So so that was, it's all about coordinating your response. You can't just go in silo. You can't have Arsenal fans doing this, Spurs fans doing that. It, it doesn't work. You have to go together. Coordinated statement, going out at the same time, sharing information, because there's lots of information there. You know, we got wind that Chelsea might be slightly jumping. So then we, we helped the Chelsea Trust to make sure their fans are telling their owners, because we knew if one drops, the other. So there was all that going on. Then it's kind of ourselves. We're talking to Arsenal. We, we spoke to Arsenal on Monday, uh, myself and a colleague, Tim Payton, and, and we completely, you know, let them have it. We were we were we were very direct and, and maybe borderline aggressive, but hopefully respective, respectful. Um, and and you know, so that started. So we wanted them to feel because they hadn't engaged with fans, but they could see that okay, actually, this isn't great fans. So we wanted yeah. to make sure we say our piece. And then use things like social media and stuff like that. So, well, I mean, how people can help, obviously they can become members. I mean, we, we, we ran a, a meeting the other night with hundreds of members on um, where we had guest speakers. Um, and, you know, we'll have things. We've got something planned for um, the, the Everton game, which potentially by the time this goes out, people will know all about, so I can say it. Um, it's around, obviously there are protests at the ground, which is, which is fine if you're local. But for anyone who's not local, and we're getting a lot of overseas members, by the way, you know, a lot of American members and stuff like that who are just as annoyed at Stan Gronky. Um, so we're going to do some sort of social media stuff. We've got some assets kind of created. Um, we're going to get hashtags trending. We're going to get, you know, all that kind of stuff so people can get involved. I think there will be a push for MP letters. So if you are 
you know, living in the United Kingdom, you can get involved there. So we'll we'll always keep people up to date. You know, mm. we send regular newsletters. We invite uh, members to our virtual events. Um, we give people a voice by having polls, surveys. You know, in fact, we we on the meeting on um, Tuesday night, we actually asked our members, "Do you want us to do something on uh, some some sort of a protest on Friday?" Because bearing in mind now the Super League thing had just died, um, and and members said yes. So here we are, we're doing it. So you know, we're a membership organisation. We know we have to represent our members and that's what we intend to do all right well listen uh well done today and well done over Thank the you. week for the work that you've done and and to sort of help coordinate uh some of the structured opposition to this and and obviously uh there are a lot of people behind you and all the other fan groups as well and and groups that represent uh, arsenal fans and football fans in general um we all need to come together and stay together on things like this because this is the sport that we love and it shouldn't be turned into uh reality tv and, and andrew it's our club and, and yeah. again it was something i told josh Cronky that a lot of us here have been around a lot longer than you you know it's our club fans need to remember that Henry Windsor on one of our events said, you know, if there's one thing the pandemic has taught us in terms of football, it's it's the game's nothing without fans. And I think sometimes we forget that because we have these owners, we get sort of disinterested at times, frustrated. But, you know, there's been examples this year that um, pay-per-view kind of, you know, they want to charge us 15 quid to watch our teams. That died. Project Big Picture, that died. The Super League, that's died. So let's get football change in this country. So... You know, even if Stan Kroenke does sell, we don't get an owner just as bad. So there's there's lots happening there. But it's our game, Andrew, and it's our football club. And we need to remember that. All right, buddy. Good to talk to you. Good to see you again. And hopefully at some point we'll uh, catch up at a game and have a pint. Look forward to it. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thank you very much indeed to Akil. You can find him on Twitter at 10Akil, at 10Akil. If you want to sign up with the Arsenal Supporters Trust, you can do that at uh, arsenaltrust.org. That's arsenaltrust.org, and they have a membership link there at the top. You can see you can sign up if you want. The strength, as we have seen this week, uh, not just from an Arsenal perspective, but from a football fan's perspective, is in the collective. It's easy to dismiss individuals. It's easy to dismiss groups and fan bases that are at war with each other, if you like. But what we have seen is that when football fans come together, when they can put aside differences, whether that's internal, and I mean that like Arsenal fans, not all Arsenal fans agree. We know that, that Arsenal fans will scrap with other Arsenal fans. But leaving that aside, if you can come together and agree on something or or come together in opposition to something that is bad, and if it's a wider issue and it involves football as a whole, if you can bring on board other fans who are just going to be as fucked by these things as you are, regardless of their shirts, regardless of their badges and all the rest, there is a power in the collective, and that is a lesson that we need to learn from the last week or so. For those of you on Patreon, there is a preview podcast for Everton, but inevitably there is some Super League chat in there as well. Myself and Lewis have a, we maybe go at it from a slightly different angle. We look at the uh, German side of things. That's where Lewis is based, and uh, we know that Bayern and Dortmund didn't sign up. So what was the, uh, the reaction like over there? We also chat a bit about the Everton game, uh, who we might start up front because there's no Aubameyang, no Lacazette. Uh, so that's over uh, on Patreon for you guys, patreon.com forward slash arsblog. 
man, it's been a it's been a long week. It has I, like so much has happened. So I hope you're all keeping okay. I hope you're all keeping uh, as sane and safe as possible in these weird, strange times. Mind yourselves. We'll do all the usual stuff on uh, the website for the game, live blog, all the stuff on Arsblog News as well. And James and I will have an Arscast extra for you, chatting about the Everton game taking place tomorrow night or tonight, whenever you're listening to this Friday night. Of course, let's hope we can do the business because it would be a good way to put some of what's happened this week behind us. Uh, A win at home is always good. A win is always good. Football is good. Not everything this week has been great, but if the football could be, that would be very welcome indeed. Thank you, as always, for listening. Mind yourselves, take it easy, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. Arsenal Football Club have today withdrawn from the Super Duper League, even though it's still a brilliant idea and completely great. In a statement issued after a huge backlash, they said, We didn't want to do it. Big boys made us do it. Please, you have to believe us. It wasn't us at all. Oh, won't you believe us? We're so, so sorry. Do you think they'll believe that? Ha-ha, I wouldn't either, no. <laughs> They'd want to be fucking stupid to do... What? What? What do you mean the microphone's on?